This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Um, you know, when I prepare for sermons, <clears throat> it's, I, I, do, I do know that when I, when I first started doing it, it, it took a long while, but as I've, I don't know, grown or gotten older, one of the two, um, sometimes you don't have the sermon on paper yet, but you know that something is going on in your head. And so for me, as, uh, I don't panic. I panic if I don't have something going on in my head. Um, but if I have something that, or in my spirit, if you feel something, if you know, and even though the sermon might not be ready um, when you want it to be ready, then I am quite relaxed. Now this time was, was one of those ones. It wasn't prepared until very late, but I was relaxed because I do have lots of good things in my spirit, so I'm not worried. Um, and I really think I'm trying to convey something. I think I'm still trying to figure out a little myself. Um, but just before I get to that, you know, uh, Johannes was sharing. You know, my name is also Johannes. First name is Johannes. It's only the second one. It is Theo. But so there's two Johannes. And it looks like Johannes. It can be a, a one-man show. You You can do everything and preach. So you've got two Johannes. But he was sharing about the fasting. You know, I don't know about your first fasting experience. Mine was a long while ago in Stellenbosch. And all I know is they said, that's no, fine. Just you. Have I told you my fasting? I think I might have. So you might have heard it. But then you hear it again and pretend you didn't hear it. <laughs> But uh, I heard that, okay, fasting is no eating, but uh, liquids is okay. So I didn't know liquids. They didn't make it very clear that it's water. Um, so, and I've changed quite a bit because my wife is quite a uh, healthy eater. But I don't know if you know my, uh, McDonald's milkshakes. You get a th- I, th- I don't know if you get a thick version or whatever, but... I had so many of those milkshakes in, during my fast, I wasn't hungry at all. <laughs> but uh, so during the fast or somewhere, the guy told me, hey, you, he luckily didn't condemn me in any way, but he said, no, you know, maybe, maybe you must fast just on water. <laughs> so the next fast, I think, I tried only the water thing. But the first one was uh, filled with lots of thick milkshakes. I didn't feel any hunger pains. <clears throat> I like that... Uh, what Johanna says, hangry. <laughs> For I don't know about you, but if I've, um, I see a lot of you love your coffee. Yeah, I also do like my coffee. That's the biggest issue for me when it comes to fasting. I should cut the coffee out two days before I eat and cut the coffee out so that when I fast, it's not a. Who of you get headaches if you don't drink coffee? Huh? What's Amal? <laughs> What's with Amal repeat? <laughs> But if I can get over the coffee thing, then the fasting is not so bad. Anyway, I hope you're excited about that fast. I would, it would be great to join, if you could join. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't have a <clears throat> topic for this sermon because I'm, I don't know what to call it. That's why I don't have a topic. Um, but it's, I want to share a few scriptures with you. Um, and I, I will hopefully um, summarize it right at the end. But it's a few things... Um, that God has been doing, not with me only, with, with our church. You know that's quite dry. It's a drought in Namibia, and it's not good. 
Um, but this started off, I think it was two weeks ago, at an intercession in Swakop, where we prayed for rain. It was that week of um, where the whole country was praying for rain. So th- this is where all that's, this stuff comes about. And then also, you know, that Swakop is today, <clears throat> they've got a nine o'clock uh, service talking just about the church building. Do you know about the church building? <laughs> it's, a, it's, cha- it's a challenge, but... And this is, my, yeah, this is where my sermon comes from. But just to give you some facts, and I think I might share it with you. <laughs> if I hope I might. Is, uh, the church building is, do you want to hear about some facts about the church building? It's huge. That's all I can say. Huge. <laughs> it's going to cost 12 million. And we only have four. <laughs> and we're going to start building. So the eight million must come from somewhere. So if that doesn't, now, at first, I wasn't too involved. So, you know, you don't feel the burden. You don't, or I don't want to call it the burden, the challenge. But then Yaku started explaining and shared his vision, and now I'm part of that challenge. Um, but I, it was just amazing. I was a small group on Wednesday, <clears throat> another small group. And when I shared this with the people, I was expecting that they would have the same shock Eight million. And they were like, no, we're going to do it. I was quite surprised. I expected the opposite. And funny enough, Yaku heard from his brother that in Johannesburg, the CRC church just built, completed, I think it's Johannesburg, a $120 million church building. They started the same way. They didn't have all the money, but they started. And then God gave the rest. So we're in that same boat. Now, I don't think we're going to go there with our challenges because my life experience shows me that there will be challenges. But this is an exciting time. And anyway, I'll, I'll summarize right at the end. But I think this church building is a... Because a lot of people will and can, and, and we still hear it, there's a lot of questions. Why church building? Why so much? But I, and maybe I also ask some of those questions, but I'm fully convinced. And nobody's going to change my mind this time. But that this is a godly thing and that God is in this thing. And hopefully some of these scriptures uh, will help you. Okay. Romans 11 verse 19 to 22. So what I want to touch on this morning, and I'm also trying to figure it out, and not figure it out, but I can see there's a lot more depth to it. So it's very, you know, a lot of things in scripture, it's, it's, it's very simple, but it can also be very deep. If you start studying it, it it's so beautiful and complex, but yet simple to understand. And it's this issue of the natural man and the spiritual man. So I'm going to ask you this question a couple of times today. How much of you is natural and how much of you is spiritual? Your walk. If you have to, I'm I'm an engineer, I like my maths. I think I like it still, but I, I can see my child is also good in maths. But if you have a pie chart, you know a pie chart? Then with these segments, how much of your life would you say the experience that you have is, how much of that is, is you, it, it just feels natural to you? And how much of it is supernatural or spiritual? How much? Okay. Romans 11 verse 19 to 22. And this scripture speaks about, let me get there just in my Bible also. It speaks about the chapter that this portion is about um, that this salvation, God's plans was promised to the Jews, <clears throat> but the Jews um, 
neglected God, and then God says, but now I've grafted in the Gentiles. I think all of us here are Gentiles, unless there's somebody that really believes you're a 100% Jew, but, um, which is fine. We've got a few in, of them in Swakup. But So this scripture talks about this was promised for the Jews, the Israelites, um, but how God has made it open to the, to the Gentiles and how he's grafting them into his will. So all of us he's talking about. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. So it's speaking here of um, <clears throat> the Israelites, which was part of, let's call it God, the tree, the source of life. But they were broken off. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. So how do we form part of, of God's, I don't know what to call it. I'm going to say tree because that could sound a bit weird. But how do we form part of God's plan? How are we grafted into him? How is he our source? This scripture explains. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. And the script, uh, some scriptures earlier to this passage just explains how the Gentiles was grafted in. So do not become proud but fear for if God did not spare the natural branches neither will he spare you. He's talking to us. So what makes us part of this spiritual experience with God? It's in that scripture verse 20. It's not if we have unbelief we're broken off. We're torn out. But if we stand strong in faith that's when we stay part of it. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. I don't know if you're following me here, but the, the passage of Scripture here explains how do we stay in the vine? There's another passage that talks about the vine. Is if, we, it's, if we stay in how we got there in the first place, we got in there because of faith, because of God's kindness, and then we had faith in His goodness, not our goodness, and then He said, I grafted you in it, through faith. But if you stop believing, if you stop having faith in God, then you almost cut yourself off from it. So how many of I hope it makes sense, but how many of us have lifestyles where as Christians a few years, maybe we know God, and we started off spiritually, we didn't respond to God saying, I am going to sort out your... But God does that. I, I, don't, know what, I don't want to say But how, did you respond to a spiritual call? Did you respond to your spirit crying out and saying, I don't care if he sorts out this in my life or that in my life in the natural, but I want him to sort this issue out here in the heart. And you believe that and you say, Lord, save this soul. Save it. Make it new. That's how you were grafted in. Are we continuing in that? <clears throat> this scripture, not Theo, says we'll be cut off if we stop walking in that. Okay, are you with me? And I, I tell you, maybe I'll give you, we go th through life and as Christians and we experience a lot of unnecessary spiritual suffering. Because I can't say we won't experience natural suffering because that... God actually doesn't promise that. But anyway, that's another story. But we experience a lot of spiritual suffering, and it's not because of God. It's because of us, because we are starting to live less spiritual lives. Does it make 
not even that, just less in faith. And that results in less spiritual lives. You know, Scripture says that we've been, Jesus blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Sometimes I look at, now this small group that I was in, in Swakop, if I, I don't know how to put it, but this were not the richest small group in Swakop. There's a lot of other small groups I could go to, and they were, they were physically the people in those small groups would be a lot richer. This small group's definitely not one of them, but these people had a spiritual depth to them. They just caught this vision quickly because they're living spiritually. And we can sometimes remove ourselves because we start going back into our old ways, and then we live unspiritual lives, and we suffer spiritually. That, that, am I still making sense? think so. But God wants us to experience spiritual blessings. And yes, I'm going to get to that later. But things manifest in the natural. In the natural, things sort itself out if it is sorted out in the spiritual realm first. That's what God showed us at this intercession two weeks ago. And I couldn't stay right to the end. Everybody prayed and then they had to share what they felt. So I couldn't hear it, but afterwards they posted it on WhatsApp. But it was basically in unity saying that this nation, Namibia's drought, is a result of the spiritual drought. Because if this nation is blessed in the natural, it will be blessed. It will rain. So God wants to get our attention to saying, come back to me. In, just in your own lives, just seek me with, with your heart. And then when we, as a nation, and the government and everybody doesn't have to change immediately, but if the people of God, like, worship Him and say, we're going to, we're burdened with the spiritual tustand of this nation, and we pray it as is it recht bit, dan gaan die kom. And after that week, the rain came. Now, I don't want to say the rain is over and the praying is over or whatever is over. You know that in the south, there was record rains. But, but we can't stop, man. One Corinthians fifteen forty four to forty six. It is sown a natural body; it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written: the first man Adam became a living being; last Adam became a living, life giving spirit. Who's the last Adam? It's Jesus. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. Okay, there's a lot in this scripture, and maybe I should. I can quickly go there. I can read a few more scriptures. Yeah, let me read from verse 20. No, where am I now? Anyway. But this scripture says that the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, Jesus. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. God's plan, this is talking here about God's plan for humanity. His first, it was natural. It was the first Adam. Adam was born. He's in the natural. And that was God's plan that Adam wouldn't make any mistakes, but Adam made mistakes. And then God fulfills that and he says, with the last Adam, who becomes the life-giving spirit, which is Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, we can move from this limited experience in Adam with God to a life-giving experience with God, with Jesus Christ, because of Jesus. It's a spiritual thing. And then it says the natural comes first and then the spiritual. I'm just still trying to tell you or ask you, 
how much of our lives is spiritual and how much is natural. Is it okay if I say this? Are you with me? Okay. I'm just reading here. The supernatural work of God is to change the natural man into a spiritual one. When a person trusts God, God exchanges what is natural, received from Adam, for what is spiritual, received from Christ. As in Adam, and this I'll read the next scripture now, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 to 23. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by one man came death, that's Adam, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. That is a mouthful. But my point that I'm trying to make here is that I believe all of you, I don't know you, so I, I couldn't say, but if you're, you're a Christian here, and I think all of us here are, then this has already happened to you. I'm not trying to tell you something that you, you're living a life that you're living a lie. The truth is, if you've given your life to God, this has happened into your life. You've exchanged the natural for the supernatural. You've exchanged it. You're already made new. You've been spiritually reborn. And the question is, how much are you allowing? Because this flesh thing is unfortunately sometimes, you, I need to walk in it. And it is getting older and grayer. Can you see there? It's a little bit of gray. <laughs> That's a joke, but it is true. There is gray in there. Um, but how much of my life is spiritual, is in connection with God, is in contact with God? My question is, where do you walk? Where do you pray? Do, you, do, you, do we allow our lives to be dictated? And let's be honest, it's not easy. <laughs> but is our lives dictated by the natural things around us? And I guess part of growing spiritually is not to expect that you're not going to have hardships in life. And now it sounds like I've got a terrible hardship. I don't, but it's just these challenges in life. These things that come up. How do I deal with it? How do we deal with it? Do we allow it that pie chart that I spoke of, that the natural pie grows and takes away everything? What do we do? Are you with me? So, this is background then. Then we read the next scripture, Romans 8. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Those of us who have moved from the natural to being born again in the spiritual. There's no condemnation for us, but because we're in Christ. So then, brothers, we are adeptus not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I remember, did, did some of you join that Michael Howard weekend last year? Now, you, you know, I remember, it's not the only time, but in Stellenbosch it happened to me a lot, especially when Fred preached. That the, after that he preached for a week, I could experience this. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I could feel something dying in me. I know it's not the spiritual. <laughs> the spiritual man wants to jump and sing hallelujah, but there's something else dying, and I could feel it. 
When, when Michael Howard, and it's not a bad thing, please don't run away from it. You're so excited, but your, your flesh, you can almost feel that this thing is dying. The will, this thing's will is dying. Are you with me? And again, you are, I remember after Michael Howard was there, and, and you know, the fact is we should be challenged by a person like Michael Howard, but we can't only have those experiences when people like them come. They can ignite something in our lives, but then we're supposed to live like that. Yes, you feel in the flesh, oh God, I'm so far from you. And, but you, at the same time, you're so happy. Spiritually, you just want to pray. You pray differently. You worship differently. But the flesh is dying. So all that's happening, I should have put a pie chart up there. The pie of the, fle- of the flesh, the natural, is just getting smaller and smaller and dying. But the spiritual man is happy and alive. Your prayer life, like I said, changes. You don't pray, God, you start with your list. Like I'd start with my list. It's just different. I want to encourage you. I really feel that God is ask, not asking us. This is not something new. But he's calling us as a church, specifically in this nation, to say, I want you to just seek me. Find me. But make sure that that pie chart of your changes. Because there's so much spiritual blessings that you can't sometimes even voice. You don't even know what to say. But you have something that's happening inside of you. And it makes us different. It makes us look at this drought and we see something different. Other people blame climate change. No, let me rather not go into that topic. But we see, no, this is a spiritual thing. And we're going to stand in the gap for this nation. We're going to ask God. And why does it have to be other people that pray? It can be us. There's no limitation on us. We can be five, three. But if we truly see God and say, Come through for us. We don't let go of him until we pull down those promises from heaven. You'll do it through us. You'll do it through you. And you think some, maybe some of you think, no, not me, only you or Yako or somebody. No, I'm telling you, you. That Suzette Hutton, who we, I listened, we listened to as a small, as, as intercession to one, the first session. She speak, yeah, that lady is powerful. Don't mess with her. Um, but she's talking about... <laughs> The altar and the porch. And last year we also did a lot of it. But she's speaking about there cannot be, there shouldn't be any, um, there shouldn't be any, the porch is, she talks about when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and then he came out and then he preached and ministered to the people. That's the porch. I think I've got it the right way. But they shouldn't be preaching to people Wanting people to come to Christ, what we do now, unless there's an altar moment inside you with God. And I'm telling you, you, where you sit in your house, wherever you pray, and you pray, and you have a moment with God, and you wrestle certain things through. Yes, there's space and place for corporate prayer. That is also part of the altar thing. But it's us, individually, meeting Jesus and then walking out of there and then things happen. And we get very good in the Western world. Oh, that's, that's an old cliche. I must stop using that. We get good with PowerPoint presentations and stuff. And God uses all that stuff. But if that stuff is devoid of an altar moment with God, there's a big problem. 
We might even get people into church. They'll join us because the coffee is great and your coffee is really great. Don't stop it. It is amazing. You must do it. But pray that the coffee, it's not only the coffee that draws people here. Oh, that's fine. Draw them with the coffee. That's fine. That's also fine. But then trust that God, if they sit here, they have a spiritual moment with Jesus. And that when you preach, it is not devoid of any spiritual weight. Because you've had an altar moment with God. And it's out of that that you bring something to the people. And then they change. Was it now? Yes. Okay. Did I read? Did I read all of those Roman scriptures? No, I didn't. Verse fourteen: For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, "Abba, Father." Now, something I just realized now: you know, this intimacy with God. I think all of these scriptures says it depends on how close we are to God. It depends on that altar moments with God. There's, there's so many Christians that, and I'm part of it. It's not, I'm not without it. But we walk in fear. We don't walk in that adoption. You know, you get that adoption, that, that father, Abba Father love. There's moments in my life, we're still, it's not only there, but uh, at, at university, you know, where. Um, where God would meet with me up when I was packing away the chairs or doing something. And meeting him, I know God is my father. You cannot take it away from me. Circumstances can make me desperate, etc. But there's certain things you cannot take away from me. My, this is an old example, but even when my father died, it's a couple of years ago now, lots of years ago, that didn't, it was bad, it was terrible. But it didn't shake me. And some people would look at me and say, like, why doesn't this shake you? I was shaken. I don't want to be disrespectful. But it couldn't shake my belief in who God is. Because I had altar moments with him. Do you have altar moments? Is, did God speak to you in your life so that, that even if you're, everything that falls apart in life, that doesn't fall apart? Because you know him. I want you to know him. I want to tell you that there's a God, and my God doesn't change me. No, let me rephrase. I change when I experience the goodness of God, because that's what your scripture says. It's the goodness of God that leads me into repentance. Theo Potgieter still does not change unless it is a good God, and in Theo's lots of messy things that he does and makes mistakes, he comes in there again and he rips it all open and he shows, Theo, I'm good, and if I see it, I change. Every time, every time I change, we must trust God that people see that in our lives. I want to trust God that you see that in your life, that it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. I only change because I see the goodness of God. Let's help people to see that. Okay. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children and heirs, heirs of God and follow heirs with Christ. This one thing that Michael Howard brings across, that guy is incredibly confident. He talks about these stories where the armies would stop him with his AK-47s. Okay, luckily he's kind of a big guy. <laughs> Maybe he's not so intimidated. But he's got a confidence that I, I borders on being insane. <laughs> so he would say to the guys, they would stick the AK-47s in the door, and he would get out there and say, who are you to tell me what to do? And then they would wither away and 
leave him alone and he drives away. But he's got such a, the one thing he brought across is such a confidence in who he is. And this scripture talks about it. It says, we are heirs, erfgename. This, it's like, I, I guess, how can I explain this? If somebody, it's not only at death, but a lot of people at death, you inherit stuff. And you are the boss of that stuff. You're not the new boss if you inherit stuff. Do we feel like that? No, we're a bit wimpy sometimes. But Jesus says, you are my co heirs You've inherited this with me. Rule with it. Reign with it. Amen. Are you with me? All right. So it doesn't mean arrogance. But if God has spoken to us about something and he says, I want you to walk in this spiritual calling for Namibia, then everything that gets in our way needs to hear that it's in our way spiritually. Mostly in prayer, not over the podium telling everybody what they're doing wrong. But in the spirit, we're saying this is not from God. Get out of the way. And they must get out of the way. But I say, Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. 1 John 5, verse 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I don't know if it's this scripture or another scripture or just another translation, but it says, whatever... Of, is born of God no it is the scripture whatever is born of God overcomes the world but there's another translation that says I don't know something like perseveres or it with, withstands my, my point is <clears throat> if we have a spiritual walk with God and, and God births things in the spirit through our prayer and God has said this is going to happen um, those promises that is born of God they will overcome all the challenges that comes with it. But a lot of us, including myself, sometimes we experience challenges and we're uncertain of what God said. And then everything falls apart. And I don't want to scare you with that, but I want to challenge you. Sit with God. Let him speak to you about you and your plans. Sit and ask God, what is the challenges, <clears throat> no, the promises of this church? And then if you've downloaded that from him, and it's in your spirit. And you know it's from him. The scripture says that will overcome. It will overcome. But <clears throat> sadly, sometimes we run with a lot of fleshly things in our lives. Amen? We all make that mistake. That's fine. The challenge is just to get to that, say, God, I repent. This was my own thing. This thing is from the flesh. It's not going to bear fruit. It's not going to overcome. Help me, I repent. Show me what's the new thing. Where do we dream? That's my question. Where do our dreams come from? Where do we pray? When I say where, do we pray in the spirit? Not meaning in tongues, in the spirit. But do we pray and we download things from God in the spirit? Are you still here? Okay, I'm almost finished. This is one thing that I... I'm really enjoying at the moment. <clears throat> and maybe it's just because of my own slackness that I need to get back to it. But I want to tell you that God actually wants to tell you things, promises for your work, 
the place where you operate at, Namibia, your small group, your whatever, this church, where he says that I, I actually want to use you as a prophetic vessel. I want to show you, and if I can explain it, we always, not always, we, a lot of the times we just pray for what we see. We see this is in the way and this is making me struggle and that is not in place and this. And God says, but I want you to pray differently and I'll read you scripture now. I want you to ask me, what do you, I see for me? So that he can show you what his plan is. And then he wants you to start praying like that. That is what the prophetic ministry means. Is We don't look at the natural. We look at the spiritual promises of God. And then we call those things as if they were. I think that's what it says. But God is challenging me is that he wants us to pray on a different level. He wants us to pray differently. And he's just waiting for people to say, okay, we'll do it. There's nothing special about us. We're all special. Sorry, that's what I should. There's nothing extra special about Shofar people than any other Christian people. Okay? But it's, God is just waiting for people to catch this, that spiritually we're going to grab hold of the promises of God and pull them down. But because the church is so full of people that just see in the natural, God has got a bit of a problem. And I want us to be the solution to that problem. I want it to be the solution in your life to a problem. Are you with me? Um, Romans 4, it's a lot of scripture. For the promise of, to Abram and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to one who shares the faith of Abram, who is the father of all of us. Now, listen here. As, <clears throat> as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. I hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall, so shall your offspring be. Can you see that scripture? That I, I marked it here in red, but it's not there. It's not red there. And calls into existence the things that do not exist. Abram, we all know the story, was promised a son. He's going to be the father of, what did he? Father of many nations. And he was 100 years old, no child. <clears throat> and God's putting a key in here, and he says, who gives life to death and calls into existence the things that do not exist. We have to trust God that we see things in the spiritual. And we can't see them manifest right in front of us now, but we have to start operating that spiritual realm. And then when we see it in the spirit, we start praying for that. And that's how nations change. That's how churches change. That's how the direction of this government it's shame, the poor government. Is this going live? Is this going on the air? <laughs> Not in Wolfish Bay, does it? Oh, goodness, I'm in trouble. I must uh, put stickers on my number plates if I drive away from here. But <clears throat> we can fight in the natural and we'll lose. We can fight in the spiritual. God, what is the purpose of Namibia? Is it 
the purpose of Namibia to be this place where everybody just slumbers and sleeps spiritually. You know what, one thing that, sorry, it's hard to hear. Michael Howard obviously did his research when he came. He said, you know, there has never been a revival in Namibia. There's been revivals in Zambia and Mozambique and I don't know where he's, where he's been. There's not been a revival in Namibia. Now, okay, I'm not trying to be too harsh here. I think we've got to, I love this country. But I think what he was trying to say, yes, there's a lot of Christian things, but th that breakthrough where God just pours out his spirit on a nation and things changes, that has not happened yet. And God's, that's God's desire. It's for Namibia to not just serve him in, in comfort, if I can say it like that, but to serve him wholeheartedly. Are you with me? So, to come back to what I said there right in the beginning, and I can use Namibia as an example, is I think God is challenging us. And now with our church building in, in Swakopmund, I think it is, I really I'm convinced about it, that it is just something that God's going to show us. He's going to show us how to grow in faith and for this building, but it's just a sign of what he wants to do in the spiritual. And that is that faith breakthrough. That's where the people come in, in thousands, and experience him and start serving him. That's what he wants. And if he has to use a building to get us there, he'll do it. <laughs> First the natural, then the spiritual. There's nothing wrong with having goals like that. Because I hope I'm conveying myself correctly here. But God can use that. And he wants us to have a building in any case. <laughs> but to get Namibia to the spiritual place where he wants us to be. Are you with me? The last scripture, really the last one. Romans 8 verse 18. I, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because I'll try and explain why. But I think my whole sermon has tried to explain. But I, I, I think we underestimate how much this world needs us spiritually. And all of us here. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. You must say to yourself that there's a portion of this world that is waiting for you to be revealed, not me. There's a portion of this world that is groaning, that is saying, I want my glory, God, wants, He wants His glory to manifest through His people, the sons of God. Not that we take the glory, but this is what Scripture says, creation is Christians to break through. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope 
For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. People, I want to close over that. But I want to tell you that if... Now, this scripture makes sense to me, but I know some of it still doesn't make too much sense to me. But it gets me excited. And if, they, if you can grab hold of what goes on in that scripture, we will pray differently. Because we will understand that why did God put this mantle, almost, on me, on people? Sinful people. And he says, well, I don't know why he does it. I, can't, I don't know what that answer is. The fact is, he, he's done it. He said, in my grace, through Jesus Christ, I wash you clean, and you're my vessel, you're my heir. We're part of this. We are, we're a team here. And unless the glory of God manifests through you, some people are not going to experience my glory because they're waiting for us. They're waiting for us to have an intimate relationship with God that we bring those blessings, those spiritual blessings into our world and it manifests. They're waiting. They, they don't know what they're waiting for, but the scripture says they're groaning. They are longing for the sons of God to show who they are. And if we have that, we pray differently. Yes, we still pray for our list, but we say, God, Well, firstly, we just need to get into his presence so that we change and actually have his desires. But then we pray and we will cry and weep for Namibia and for the people and say, God, we cannot stand this mediocrity anymore. We want your people to know you, to experience your presence and change like we've changed. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that we're changing. That's when the will of God gets downloaded into our spirit and we we pray differently. And people, things are going to happen then. I want to challenge you, Johannes, can you from speaking? Is this, I'm just excited. I'm excited about it. I want to tell you that God wants to meet you in your prayer room, in your life, where you pray. And this promise is not for the three-year Bible school people, those that have studied the word for 20 years. It's for all of us. If you got saved, if you get saved today, it's for you. If you were saved one week, it's for you. These, you carry part of this mantle. Remember my pie. Just make sure. That's the only thing I can tell you is, how am I going to get there, Theo? I also don't really know. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I know that if that pie shape of, my, of Theo, the flesh, gets smaller... And Jesus gets bigger. Then things happen. Let's just, let's stand. Father, we want to repent of our, our hearts. Father, and we, we can feel that something is dying in us now, but we also feel something very alive. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that it's only by your grace and your goodness that we can actually change. So it's not me trying to change people here this morning. It's you changing us. And we just want to say we, we, we submit unto it. Maybe we don't even want to submit, but we just our spirit is saying we want to be part of this. We want to do it. 
Some of us are saying it with more oorgave. Um, That's also okay. That's really okay. Jesus was, um, one of his disciples is Thomas. They called him the unbelieving Thomas. Jesus didn't have an issue with Thomas. Jesus probably chose Thomas, <laughs> knowing that he's going to have unbelief. Just get that, can I say nonsense, out of your head, that you cannot be used by God. It's absolute nonsense. It is absolute nonsense. Every person that's here this morning has been chosen by God to be here. If you don't know God yet, He has chosen you to be here so that you can know Him. And there's nothing about in you. No, there's everything about us that's wrong. But none of that is a problem to Jesus. None of it. Because then why did He die? He died for sinners, for people that are full of mistakes. And you know what? Sometimes we... we we follow God for a few years and we think we need to be without mistakes. And then you may still make mistakes while you serve God. And then we confront it with this conundrum again. Oh, is God going to accept me? Again, a lot of nonsense. Jesus knew that he will, he's calling imperfect people. And he knew that those imperfect people will be changed. And they, but they will still make mistakes. I want you to understand that just purely by your decision to follow Christ makes you an heir of Jesus Christ, a co-heir with Him. And your mistakes can be a blockage, but it's just a blockage until you repent. When you repent, it's over. And that stuff keeps us in mediocrity for so long in our lives. Just get rid of it. Jesus loves you. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.